I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll, the spell you're under has been broken by Chris Jericho, the people's podcast has arrived, the remedy for boredom is here, let's go for a ride with Duff McKagan, he plays with Loaded, he was in Velvet Revolver, he was of course in a little band called Guns N' Roses. He's rocking his another new band, Walking Papers. He's got a brand new book out called How to Be a Man and Other Illusions. He's got a, plenty of amazing stories about his road days, getting sober, reuniting with Axl Rose on stage, and wait till you hear his knock-knock jokes. He considers himself an aficionado of knock-knock jokes. I gave him some good ones that he'd never heard before. I'm not kidding. And as we're sitting there talking, we got a surprise visit from another rock god and TIJ alumni. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You're just going to have to listen and find out but i'm telling you man we're not going to take it you're going to be uh, laughing on who it was that just randomly stopped into the studio when me and duff were, were, were talking so many surprises speaking of surprises i've been pleasantly surprised about how much you guys are digging my new comedy central digital series nothing to report i want to thank all of you for checking out we're getting closer and closer to 1 million views almost at 900,000. i want to get this thing to 1 million views so we can stick it in comedy central's face and say hey guys you got to do more of this amazing series, Nothing to Report. And you know what it means uh, to me for you guys to, 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 to rally behind and check out this show. It's hilarious. It's a great, great uh, uh, two neurotic cops sitting in a car discussing their feelings uh, while all wackiness ensues. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. My favorite episodes, Captain Ed. Partners, emotional scars, the shootout. So many great, uh, great, 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 great episodes. I want you to go check it out right now on YouTube. Nothing to report. ComedyCentral.com. Nothing to report. Okay. Go check it out now. And also, I want to say, uh, well, hey, the big, the big news. Another announcement. It was announced last week. I am going to be the host of Tough Enough. 
the new host of Tough Enough on the USA Network. It's going to be huge. It's going to be nothing like you've seen before. It's not like uh, your, your mom's Tough Enough. This is a whole new vibe. I think it's going to be more like The Voice, where um, it, it's in a live studio. There's going to be mentors like Hulk Hogan, Daniel Bryan, Paige. I think they're going to be playing the roles of what Christina Aguilera and Blake Shelton and uh, Adam Levine are doing. I'm going to be the, uh, the uh, Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> of tough enough or whoever the host is oh the carson daily oh, i'll be the carson daily of the wwe yeah boy all that's going to be interspersed with the training videos and all the stuff that happens in the house and all that sort of thing so it's a brand new uh updated uh remixed tough enough and i'm super excited on to host that on the usa network starting on june 23rd all right, so the big news over the last few weeks is that David Letterman is retiring after 32 years of being a talk show host and one of the greatest of all time. I remember watching Dave. I used to tape it every day on my old VHS when I was like in grade, I don't know, 10 or 11, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, maybe 1984, grade 9. So I would come home uh, and watch David Letterman while I was eating lunch. And you know all the stupid stuff he used to do, like... Uh, you know, stupid pet tricks and stupid human tricks and you know, just the whole, everything that he would do. He's so unorthodox, so crazy, super funny guy. I met him once briefly um, when I did Jimmy Fallon and Paul Schaefer was the guest. He came to watch Paul and Jimmy Fallon. I said, hi, Dave. And he went, hey, and a big cigar in his mouth. But one of the famous things that Dave did that, that nobody else did that was super original was the top 10 lists. So in honor of David Letterman, one of the greatest of all time, I decided to uh, look up some of his greatest top 10 lists, and then I wrote a top 10 list of my own. So I went and found a, a, a website that had the best David Letterman uh, top 10 lists. So um, let's, look, let's look through of them. So the top 10 ways the show has changed since 1993. It's the David Letterman show. Number 10, now Dave does the bulk of his drinking after the show. Uh, number nine, people used to like Dave. Now they pretend to tolerate him. Number eight, global warming has raised the theater temperature to 38 degrees. Ed Sullivan Theater notoriously cold. Number seven, he lost 280 pounds with deal a meal. Nice. Number six, the crazy lady we used to piss off, Madonna. Now the crazy lady we piss off, Sarah Palin. <laughs> Number five, the audience is here to see if Dave drops dead on stage. <laughs> Number four, dwindling amount of hate mail, burgeoning amount of hate email. Number three, every 10 minutes someone is dropping a flashlight. Don't get that one. Number two, used to talk with the sexiest woman in the world. Now I interview Artie Lang. And the number one way that the David Letterman show has changed is 93. Number one, Emmy Awards replaced with Fire Dave rallies. <laughs> All right. Top 10 summer jobs in hell. Number 10, intestine adjuster. Number nine, professional boulder chaperone. Number eight, pit bull tickler. Number seven, Rex Reed's living chair. Number six, Cleveland Indians ticket scalper. Number five, personal scratcher to Mr. Ed Asner. Number four, understudy to a big Kool-Aid pitcher. Number three, hornet groomer. Number two, staff psychologist Islamic Jihad. Number one, human axle for uh, Chris Christie's town car. There you go. <laughs> a lot of these are like Dennis Miller jokes, right? You're not really too sure uh, what the hell they're talking about. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Top 10 least loved Christmas stories. Number 10, a mall and the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Number nine, the sweatiest angel. 
Number eight, Santa's three-day eggnog bender. Number seven, Christmas Eve at the All-Mail Cinema. <laughs> Number six, a holiday visit from Salmonella. Number five, Iron Mike Tyson hurts Santa real bad. Number four, my Christmas sauna with Burl Ives. <laughs> Number three, Jack Frost loses the feeling in his extremities. Ooh, talk about uh, freezing your nuts off. Number two, I saw Daddy kissing Santa Claus. And in the number one least loved Christmas story, the teddy bear who came to life and mauled a retail clerk. Okay, um, let's just do a few more here. Top 10 things that will get you kicked out of Disney World. Number 10, driving down Main Street, USA with Bambi's mother strapped to your fender. Number 9, dumping medical waste into Sleeping Beauty's moat. Number 8, boarding the monorail and announcing your Bernie gets. <laughs> that's, that's an old New York joke. Number seven, taunting guy in Pluto co- costume for not being able to get better job. Number six, declaring loudly, I do believe in Tinkerbell in men's room. Number five, going after Chippendale with a weed whacker. <laughs> Number four, saying I taste mouse after biting into snack bar sandwich. Number three, taking a leak in the enchanted forest. Number two, parading around in home of the Matterhorn underwear. <laughs> Number one thing that will get kicked out of Disney World, bringing your own mouse suit. All right. There you go. Okay. Uh, so in the in the uh, fine tradition of the David Letterman show, I have written my own top ten list. And this is the top ten worst podcasts. The top ten worst podcasts. All right. Number ten, the ISIS Laugh Your Head Off Comedy Hour. Number nine, Fifty Shades of Hay. Four horses, buy horses. Number eight, Love Line with Bill Cosby. Number seven, The Hour of Truth with Brian Williams. Number six, The Joe Rogaine Experience. Number five, Sex Talk with Rush Limbaugh. Number four, The Turtist. Number three, Cock is Jericho. Number two, Aunt Annie's Art of Anal. And the number one worst podcast, Bruce Jenner's Don't You Just Hate Your Penis. All right. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, do I get any props for any of that stuff or were they all just terrible? I like the uh, cock is Jericho. That one made me laugh for some reason. Maybe that should have been number one. Uh, whatever. Anyways, uh, thanks to David Letterman for uh, doing a tremendous job over the last 32 years. Enjoy your retirement. Hopefully he doesn't pull a Johnny Carson and just completely disappear because he's a very, very funny guy and a, a, a television icon at this point. So many great stories and so many great guests. And um, you should go on YouTube and look up the last couple Letterman um, episodes because everyone's on there paying homage to Dave. So many cool things coming up. I'll tell you more about it later on. I'm also going to tell you uh, that Duff McKagan is a killer, killer guy. He's a great interview. We had so much fun. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos, eh, amigas. See, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. 
They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is talk is talk is Jericho. Okay, in the studio across from me is uh, is my pal, my buddy mm-hmm. Duff McKagan is here. I haven't seen you in a couple of years, I don't think. Maybe I guess Australia. Right? Has it been? No, I've probably seen you at somewhere. We talk VH1 something, something maybe Golden Gods or something like that. It's an act, nowadays talking is texting. It is. So we talk, you know, quite often. But actually seeing face to face, it it could be a couple of years. But it's like we're backstage yeah, in, in Australia again. Isn't that always the way? Yeah. You know, in the music biz or anywhere, it's such a small world that when you see somebody you haven't seen for a while, it's just like you haven't missed a day. Well, I think, you know, we all of us bands, we're touring so much more. Mm-hmm. And we see each other like those. We're used to seeing each other for a day. Here, yeah. or like backstage at Nova Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, in the, in the, in the dust and <laughs> mud and yeah. something. And... and uh, I think there's really become a brother and sisterhood in the last sure has, right? five to eight years because we're seeing each other so much more because mm-hmm. everybody's touring so much more. Because that's how you have to do it now. That's how you have to do it. Yeah. And I, I just know, like, I know so many more, more people now. <laughs> like, I know metal people and, like, uh, like Death Cab for Cutie guys and just everybody. I have, a like, a almost a – I get texts, so many texts – Per day and emails. Like, and I've got too, too many friends now. I can't answer them all back. It's, it's a good way to be. But that's exciting. Like before there was genres like you're a metal guy, or and now it's just musicians. It is. You know, you just appreciate anybody that's playing and out there doing it. That's exactly right. And the festivals are so much more. I, I don't remember in the early '90s mm-hmm. or late. I mean, there was like Donington Festival. Yeah, there was a which few, is now Download. It was yeah. just now Download. Um, there was a few festivals, but the rest were just tours. So now you have a million festivals, and it's you know five stages. Mm-hmm. You have every kind of rock and EDM and everything there, metal, rock, whatever. Yeah, um, like kind of that uh, like Biffy Clyro type stuff, whatever. Kind of love that English man. rock or something, like English pop maybe type of a thing. You know, they're huge, huge over there. They headline download. Over there, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Two years ago, when yeah. we played there, it was, I believe, it was Sabbath, Metallica, and Biffy Clyro, headlining, headlining the three different days. Yeah. You know, and you're like, what? I've never heard of this band before. And they're so good. Yeah, they are so good. Massive over there. Yeah, they hear they play like, um, the El Rey <laughs> or Troubadour or something. Yeah, over there they're playing stadiums. clubs and type stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because you're talking about how you have so many more friends and this kind of thing. One of the things that I like and probably the reason why you have such a diverse is, is you've really done a good job at doing kind of what I've done. You're the Duff McKagan brand name. 
You know is, what I mean? Is there such a thing? There is. Right. Because it used to be, okay, you're the guy from Guns N' Roses. Jericho's the guy from wrestling. And then right. suddenly right. you have walking papers and you have loaded and you have, you know, the the, the, the books that you've written, which you're going to talk about. You have your columns. You have, yeah. you know, the, the, you went to college and got your business degree. I mean, it's a smart thing to do in 2015 to branch out like that. Well, I was just right before I, I walked in here, I was on the phone with a friend of mine and, um, I think I need to brush. I, I, I might get a tutor and brush back up on finance because when I went to school for business, it was 2001, 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. Interest rates were at 8%. Everything was, it's like flip flop. Interest rates, now you can get a 30 year fix for 2.75. So finance has a whole different face. And uh, yeah, I think it's really smart. I woke up at 30, I was literally woke up in a hospital bed sober for the first time in like 14 years and the and, reason and for that every, was everything oh my your my pancreas, pancreas exploded yeah yeah let's I, not I, leave that part of it out yeah. I, I got into trouble yeah, yeah. my body uh, paid the ultimate price right. and, and uh, uh but i i had this like my first sober moments uh in that hospital bed in 14 years and i I was just terrified of everything and terrified. You know, I suddenly all those Aerosmith books and stuff I read of getting ripped off and um, came to me. I'm like, where? I don't even know. I made money in my 20s. Like, who has it? (laughs) Yeah. uh, um, Somebody stealing it? Who's like taking pieces of it? What do I do with it? I didn't Mm. grow up in in a family that. We knew what money was. Well, and that's not rock and roll. Yet, you know, back in those days. Oh, I hated uh, money. Forget about businessman. You know, yeah. we're here for rock and roll. Yeah. And then you've toured the world stadiums, and you don't know where your millions of dollars is. It, it wasn't punk rock to have money. You know, so you like yeah. get money. You know, fuck that, man. I don't yeah. want money. Yeah. I do this, man, because it's what I do. Music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Then I thought, well, I, mean, I might live. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, um, I might need that money later on. Right. right. I, I, yeah. The, when you, you know, when you're 27, you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to make it till I'm 30, and that's it. You don't really care about the money. But uh, yeah, I had a, a, a stark and different uh, um, whole reality come to me in that hospital bed, and I, I actually wanted to live. I was like, oh, this is my chance, you know, mm. to really turn it around and. Uh, so, yeah, going to business school. I think every, you know, they don't teach us this stuff in high school. Even like, a, like as far as how to balance books. And balance a checkbook, yeah, even. Right. I don't remember learning any of that stuff. Which is funny because they'll teach you algebra, you know, and trigonometry and all this shit that you would never use unless no. you're an engineer. Right. Which guys like you and I were probably never going to be. Right. But they won't teach you how to, you know, balance a checkbook. There really should be that. I'm sure my, they should. I have two daughters in high school mm-hmm. right now, and, and I'm looking at their. The, like where they is there any finance here? You know, there's like macroeconomics. Okay, so you know how the whole thing. You're a little bit of how the whole thing works. Yeah, supply and demand. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. but that doesn't apply to you right now, or in the next few years. Sure. I mean, even stuff like you know, 
paying taxes. Like I remember in the WWE for a while, they had seminars where they brought in an accountant, and you'd have to the guys would go to make sure that they had an accountant and make sure they're paying taxes. There's so many casualties of guys, you know, like Willie Nelson. They wake up and yeah. they owe you know ten right. million dollars in taxes. It's not very rock and roll either to know about that. Were you, you know? guys okay? So in, in wrestling, mm-hmm. were you independent yes. contract? You were, which is one of the biggest scams in the business world. So you had to uh, pay your own taxes. Yeah, you were responsible for your own tax. It wasn't a payroll. No, you were, yeah, you got to pay for your own taxes. You got to pay for your own expenses. You know, <laughs> cars to get to the arena. You know, uh, hotels, everything. No per diems, nothing like that. And yet, you're still a quote unquote independent contractor, which means you have to show up. You know, for work when they tell you to, and this and another thing, which is I think goes against what an independent contractor is. Like an independent contractor is like a a painter; he takes the gigs that he wants, works when he wants. I think that's kind of what that means, correct? Uh, it can mean uh, it can mean like I did phone sales right mm-hmm. back in nineteen eighty four. Okay, uh, I was an independent contractor, so they would just I'd have to show up to work every day. Uh-huh. But yeah, you just got paid the commissions. And then you were responsible for... What, what were you selling? Oh, man. So I got into this place here when I first moved to Hollywood. And it was like office supplies. Mm-hmm. But it was also a cover for a whole other thing, which I won't really get into. <laughs> I, I, I talked about it a little bit in my first book. First book, yeah. And it was um, some really cool Hungarian guys. And they were uh, cool to me because I didn't... No. They called me Mikey. Oh, Mikey, he don't talk. He doesn't talk. <laughs> and uh, so they had me doing other things for him, and, and it was a yeah, it was a little shady. Gotcha. Good guy. And I was afraid to quit. Like we got a record deal, Guns N' Roses did, and I got an advance. Like I didn't need to work. I could just. We were going to go on the road. We were going to make a record, and I had like seven thousand bucks. And that I, was your to, advance. To me, that was like a million dollars. I could pay like. I'd get an apartment and pay four months' rent, get some cowboy boots, get a tattoo, and have money. You know, I could pay for. I could actually go to the grocery store and shop, like for not not just Top Ramen. You know, right? Not have to hang out with the strippers. So they bought you food for the week. Yeah, and and I I actually never did that. I couldn't. I didn't grow up in a family where I could I could uh, where I could move down here and live off of somebody. Yeah. So I never was that guy who. Like lived out the quote unquote because that was kind of the thing for some of the there guys was those guys yeah LA, for yeah. sure um, but yeah being an independent contractor yeah first time I had oh because I was a, I was a kitchen worker before like a cook and mm-hmm. where they take your taxes out yeah right right so um, independent contract yeah I was responsible for my own taxes like what so, so like here's a, like a probably the most unrock and roll question I'm ever going to ask but when you were in Guns N' Roses did you do you file did you file a tax return did you have like the accountant that would do it for you or? yeah we had accounts yeah, 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 yeah. By, by, right. so did you file taxes when you were in Guns N' Roses yeah, like what no. But, <laughs> <laughs> no no there was a lot of trust you know uh-huh. like um, I, I remember we went to our we got so we got an accountant right mm-hmm. we don't know what an accountant does we don't know what money is we don't mm-hmm. know anything and it, we, we thought we did everything like What's your home address? What? Yeah, because if we find out you're ripping us off, we're going to burn your house down. So, wow. Yeah. That's the only way we knew how to do business, right? Um, we'll, we'll kill you, you know, if you <laughs> yeah. rip us off. All five of us will show up and beat the shit out of you. Yeah, burn your house down. Yeah. You know? Uh, 
Did, did you come out of Guns N' Roses with money? or Because you were in the state you're in, did, did, did it just kind of float away? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, we all did, did fairly well. And I didn't have somebody, I didn't have a posse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still, like, because I grew up in this really blue collar family, I, and my parents were, they grew up in the Depression. I was the last of eight kids. My parents were 40 when they had me. Okay. So they're dep- I grew up under Depression era parents. So you don't, number one, you don't show, you don't talk about money, you don't show money, you don't live beyond your means, you keep it all cool. So I didn't, I just, that was innate in me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't, I wasn't that ridiculous. I didn't fly private, in, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't do any of that stuff. I didn't know you could fly private, you know? <laughs> you read the plane, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, we had our own, we leased a plane for the tour, that, but that was a band expense and all that. But mm-hmm. I didn't really know that, that whole higher echelon of wealth and all that stuff. So I didn't spend a lot of it. Because, you know, that there was a point at that time, you know, Use Your Illusion, where you guys were probably the biggest band in the world. Yeah. So Private Jet was probably like, you know, the Stones have it. Guns and Roses have it. Like these are just expenses that the biggest band in the world would have. We were playing stadiums and, yeah. and stuff, and uh, yeah, we had to. We had a, a pretty killer jet. You know, it was big. <laughs> it wasn't a small like it was a big seven twenty seven with a bar and and everything. Um, but in that tour, believe it or not, uh, two years of that tour, of two years of that two and a half year tour, was just spent like. To break even, and back right. then you were selling records, so the, like a tour was a loss leader mm. to sell records. It's kind of the opposite of what You're it completely is now. now. Yeah. So we finally started like we did that um, last half year to like okay we can actually make some money. That was your profit. We, bro- we broke yeah. even. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's not you know I think probably a lot of people have this illusion of. of those guys are ro- rolling in billions of dollars. It really, you know, it costs a lot of money to do that stuff. And uh, I heard that, you know, the last U2 tour with The Claw, yeah. you know, the one you could see from space, I guess they had two of them or three of them because they would set one up and the next one would right. piggyback to the other town. And by the end of the tour, the only show they made money on was the last gig, which I think was here at Pasadena Stadium or something. So it was like 60 gigs to pay for the tour, yeah. one gig split between the four guys. Yeah. There's your profit. Like, that is insane when you think about it. Like, what? Yeah. You know, even you 2 was like, we're never doing this again because we didn't make anything on this tour, right. even though we probably made like $3 million each or whatever. But I didn't realize you could see that from space. You can. Yeah, yeah that okay. was the big thing. Yeah, we did the thing. We had the two stages rolling mm-hmm. and so you know your crew is 140 people and you have trucks you crazy know, how many trucks is that who knows well, yeah you, know? you don't even know everybody that's working for you no not really you would see you know kind of see but yeah and, it, 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 and, and uh, like it was just a lot going on and it kind of that happened suddenly so it wasn't a gradual like mm-hmm. we're building up we got a crew of Eight. Now we have a crew of twelve, and then you know sixteen, and uh, it wasn't gradual. We went for, from a crew of five to a crew of one hundred and forty. You know, um, your base tech has a base tech. Yeah, almost. Yeah, basically, right? Yeah, <laughs> almost. Um, but I was. Oh, 
So, you know our thing, Chris and I, for people who are listening, this is tough. We, we have this thing about almonds, right? <laughs> yes, almonds, yeah. And did you, did you see the thing on, on Bill Maher? No. So there's the drought here in California. Yeah. Almonds are from California. Mm-hmm. It takes a gallon of water per almond. Really? Yeah. To grow an almond? Yeah, Bill Maher's really like, he's wow. railing against almond consumption right so now. So if we bought a pack of almonds, which has like, what, 50 or 60 in there, that's 50 or 60 gallons of water. water. To, really? That's correct. This all started when we were in Australia, which we talked about earlier, and I think we were playing a show together, Loaded and Fozzy, and you were looking for something to eat, or you're hungry, and I had some almonds because I was going super paleo at the time. And I was like, you want some almonds? Yeah, sure, man. So we exchanged almonds, and we were laughing. It was like, you know, 10 years earlier, we were exchanging, like, pills and Valiums. And- Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were exchanging almonds instead. Are you holding almonds today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, almonds is kind of like my go- go-to food. Snack, yeah. It is. Yeah, like the morning, that's what I eat, it's almonds. Because you, like, really have... I mean, we, you talked about it in your first, first book, but just seeing you, I mean, you're a completely changed guy over the last, like you mentioned, since you turned 30. I mean, you're like a physical specimen, uh, you know, you can just see in your body and in the way that, you, that you're built and all that sort of thing. You've really, really focused on that side of, of life for the last 20 years, staying in shape. Yeah, I have, but I'm, I'm, I'm reaching this point right now. I got to figure it out because I've been, like, when I drank and used drugs, I was the world champion you know <laughs> and so um when i work out and i i go really I'm the, i apply the same um, you apply the, the the addiction the addictive personality to now working out instead of drinking and doing drugs right so i hate running so i'm going to run i'll run a marathon i'll train for a marathon not just running for pleasure it's like i gotta do something that's the hardest core thing and it's and it that's fine in your 30s mm-hmm. i think and in part when right your 40s and now I, I have to approach this this place. I'm, I don't know how to deal with that. I wanted to talk to you about it a little yeah. bit. You know, like, how do I keep muscle on? How do I, at 51, I feel like I'm 18 still. You know, I don't think I'll ever feel, your brain doesn't do anything different, you know? Well, and, and you had a great point, and, and we'll, we'll continue this in, in, in your new book, which is called How to Be a Man and Other Illusions, where you said that, 50 is the new 30 um, because of rock and roll. Yeah. And I loved that point in your book. Isn't it true? Because you're right. Like you just mentioned at 51, I don't feel 51. When we were kids, I remember looking at pictures of my dad when he was 40. And he looked like an old man. Our our parents were older than yeah. we are. Track <laughs> suit sense? and like, you know, just like kind of out of shape. And uh, just like he looked like an older guy. You and me at 51 and 44, we could be on stage and we would look, we could look like we're 21. You know, when you're on stage, you're kind of a small guy, right? You know, you see the little guy. But it amazes me how things have changed over the last 20, 30 years to where, where if you're trying to stay in shape and trying to not stay young, but just to look good, you can do it. But you got to put the work in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you have to dedicate. Like, I, every day I, I, I dedicate a couple hours to the thing, and I, and it's good for me because it's good for my, that's where I go every day to to uh, kind of heal things, think about stuff, and keep sober. Mm-hmm. You know, for me that's that's the main thing. I have two daughters and a wife, and and that two hours on my on my own 
business, there's stuff, you know, oh, my book or you know, tour or whatever. Even on the road. I know you work out on the road every day. Mm-hmm. And um, it keeps you even kill. And, and I'm not trying to get huge. I'm not trying to, be, you know, have a ripped fucking six-pack, you know. Mm-hmm. But I like to feel like I can move. Well, the thing is, too, man, you're in show business. Yeah. And part of show business is the uh, appearance. And you got to look the part. You know, you can go on stage and play in a band and everyone's going to go, wow, that's Duff McKagan. Right. You know, some guys show up and they're fat and they don't look good or they've lost their hair. Don't try. And it's kind of sad. I don't like seeing that. Yeah. You know, I went to the Stones last year and Mick looks amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's 71. He moves like Mick. He sings like Mick. The parts that he doesn't sing well, he's got the backup da- uh, singers, which no one, he's got his cool hair. He looks great. You go to a Stone show, it's a time machine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Mick, man. So those are the guys. So that's why 51 is, I'm a young, I'm still the kid. Yeah. You know, like Mick 71. Right. Just went out with the Aerosmith guys last summer. They're, I don't know, 66. They're getting up there. Yeah, I think Steve's probably 66 or so. It's killing it. Yeah. Those guys are killing it, and every show was sold out. And the night, be- I remember a night in Berlin. So the, the night before Black Sabbath played an even, I think, bigger place, mm-hmm. sold it out. Those guys are late 60s. Right. But once again, Ozzy. I mean, it's it, rock and roll is so much about hair. Like Ozzy's still got his hair. Tony's got it. Geezer's got it. Steven Tyler's got it. Yeah. You know, McCartney, yeah. Mick. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I never <laughs> yeah. thought of that. So you got great hair. You're all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, my. What is it? Your 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 mom's dad, right? Your mom's dad is what you, kind of hair you're gonna have. Yeah, he right. He died with a uh, full head. A full of head hair. of hair. Yes. Good. Yes. Um, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the night before Black Sabbath sold out, the, the night we played with Walking Papers played with Aerosmith, mm-hmm. O2 Arena Berlin sold out. The next night was the Stones at the stadium, and so you know who's selling out shows is the guys that are well older than me. That's right. And so I'm like, okay, I have time. You know, <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta get there again. You know, selling out. Yeah, but it's it. You really feel like a kid around those guys and. I've uh, been playing with Gibbons lately. Billy Gibbons. And just learning so much from these guys, too, how they roll. How the- cool is Billy Gibbons, man? He's the coolest guy in the world. He, he took me on his bus one time. I, uh, my wife's family has a cabin in northern Minnesota, and Billy's a big wrestling fan. I see him. Him and Dusty would come sit in the front row at Houston whenever he had shows for years. So I went to the show, and they all have separate buses. Yeah. And he took me on his bus, and... and he gave me a case of tequila. He gave me uh, uh, he gave me a whole set of Jimi Hendrix live CDs because we happened to be talking about Hendrix and and Billy toured like early years. Yeah. So I got this the collection of Hendrix CDs and take this pamphlet about what my hat means. He's got that African hat. Yeah, yeah, I walked yeah. out of there like with a, an armful of swag. He he's a gift giver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We played a show um, with it was, it was Slash and I and Matt and a bunch bunch of people. It was a, a benefit at the Roxy in mm-hmm. January, and um, he sent somebody out. And you know, it was like some covert mission going on. We did sound check, and somebody went out, came back, and his Billy was back in his dressing room doing something. And he took a big bottle of hot sauce and got a bunch. He sent the guy out to get little bottles with uh, carabiner, little D rings on them. Uh-huh. So, so you we hook on your belt buckle? Yeah, so we he filled them all up for us, and he gave us each little <laughs> bottle of hot sauce with a carabiner. <laughs> like just 
Well, very thoughtful. Thank you, man. <laughs> you talk about that too in the book, Kings of Chaos, playing yeah. with all these guys. You guys go. I think South Africa seems to be a hotbed for Kings of Chaos. Yeah. So, yep. And it's all you guys. Kind of, it's like a, an all-star cover band, but it's not cover band because you guys, you're all playing originals by the guys in the band. Yeah. So, um, it, when it first was kind of introduced to me. I was like, I don't know, man. This is that's a lot of people, and how is this going to work? Right. And we went to a rehearsal, and, and the thing is, everybody was thinking the same, like me. Like, well, if I if I'm going to play Sweet Emotion, I'm going to know this thing. If I'm going to play, <laughs> you don't want to be the weak link. No, yeah. if I'm going to play Lagrange or uh, you know, Glenn Hughes Burn. is there. Yeah. Burn, you know, Glenn Hughes was the bass player. Yeah, know? I better have this stuff down. So everybody did that, and everybody would shed it in there. For two weeks, and everybody showed up just smoking. <laughs> and it was like the best rock band ever. And, <laughs> and you're playing like, okay, well, there's Gibbons. We're playing LaGrange, and we're playing Tush and Xander. So we start to set with the first four from Live at Budokan. Nice. With Xander, and he's wearing the Dream Police cop uniform. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And he can still sing amazing, oh. too. Yeah, he's, he's timeless. He's amazing. Yeah. I, I think he sings better. I think... Glenn Hughes, I mean, oh, he seems better so than good. he yeah. And he's, who knows? I mean, age doesn't even matter. I don't even think of it. Do Once again, it? because they're in rock and roll, it keeps you young. Yeah. Right? Gibbons plays, I mean, his playing and his singing is just, uh, it's, it's ti- that stuff's timeless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, at first, man, this is my, my, my middle school soundtrack. <laughs> and, um, and, but, but then conversely, Billy and, and, and Glenn and these guys are playing Guns. Child of Mine and Welcome to the Jungle. And yeah, we do. yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Xander singing Brownstone in Paradise City wow. was, was really amazing. Really, the way he approached it was cool. Oh, yeah. Because um, uh, the tendency when people try and sound like Axel, but Robin's not going to do that. He's going to do it his way. His way. Yeah. And, and it's and it's was really cool. I mean, it's Robin Zander. Yeah. Um, Singing your song. <laughs> yeah, really, really cool. And so we do it. Yeah, I don't think it would really work in America. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is that? I think, well, here's a good example. Um, so the classic rock magazine, which people in America may know about or not. I subscribe. Yeah. It's a great magazine from England with all the classic bands, new bands, old bands. But but it showcases new bands. And every, yes. And classic rock in the UK has a whole different connotation than it does here. I mean, they knight motherfuckers in, 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 in <laughs> the UK. Yeah. And, and these are, right? That's great, yeah. And these are noble, you know... Uh, yeah, Sir people. Paul McCartney, Sir Mick Jagger, Sir Elton John. The, to them, this is like classic rock. Is you know, the, yeah, uh, legendary night night status. Yeah, this is the royal. Road, this is the roadmap, um, and it's not. And so kids over there buy classic rock, and they have new bands and and everything in the magazine. Um, the classic rock awards have been in in London at the Roundhouse, as we know. You know, for the since didn't you host it? I hosted one of them okay. a couple of years ago. Right on. Yeah, um, but the point to that is they brought it here to L.A. this year, the classic rock awards, and I'm like, it's not going to work. Hmm. It's not going to because classic rock here in the states is like oh, Molly Hatchet. Or like it's the, the old people's yeah. thing, and and I kind of knew, and it's too bad. Uh, I think rock in America is really. Uh, Hopefully it finds its way again. There, there's good festivals like Rock on the Range and stuff mm-hmm. that um, 
They're trying to make that more of a thing, Rebellion, Carolina Rebellion. Yeah, all of those. Shock and all these festivals across the country. Right, but, um, you know, you go to South America. Like, Loaded just went and played South America a couple weekends ago yeah. with, with Slash and, and Gilby. And Gilby, yeah. And there was 10,000 people there, and you get to the airport, and they're all 16, 17. Four, there was, outside of the hotel, I mean, there was... 500 people or something. And I went out there to sign some autographs. There was a girl like, I'm like, Quantos años? How old are you? And uh, 14. Younger than my, you know, I think she's like my youngest daughter's age. I'm like, vamanos to like, go home. Go home. You're too young for this. But uh, it's rock and roll down there. It's like pop is, mm-hmm. is in the States. Right. So he says like Beatlemania when you go to South, South America yeah. with that lineup. So Kings of Chaos d- d- does well in South America, South Africa. Um, I, I think they want that thing to come to the UK. Mm-hmm. probably be fun. It's, it's got to – we have to do things that pay because there's a lot of guys. I'm sure a lot uh, of expenses. And- yeah. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Talk is Jericho. My buddy Duff McKagan is here. You know, it's interesting, another thing I loved about the book is when you talked about the Kings of Chaos tour and the four-star hotels, and then you fly straight from, let's say it was the Durban, South Africa. You did read the book. I read the book in three hours. Three hours? Yes, on, okay. a, on the plane here. Wow. We were able to get an advanced copy uh, under the cloak and dagger, don't tell anybody. But right. I loved your first book. It's so easy, and you have a great writing style. You remind me of my writing style. It's, it's not so much a chronological story. Yeah. It's just, here's what's been happening in the life of Duff, and here's some other things that are pretty cool too. Right, and I I had a bunch of. I wrote a column like three years ago. I think it, it, I I titled it "Man Up," mm-hmm. and they changed the, the title when it got to the weekly to "How to Be a Man." Mm-hmm. And it was this. The column was this funny thing. Like uh, I was at a European festival. I saw this guy from some heavy metal band. He was all in the moment and climbed to the top of the this PA column and he didn't judge at first and he was just like too much in the moment and he got up to the top and like oh it's too high (laughs) (laughs) and you could see you could see it all happen like oh I can't jump Uh, right and that he backed down sheepishly and everybody was kind of laughing and and um, and so what I learned from that like that kind of applies to life like if you're gonna do something badass like that do it. You got to do it. And so, how do you do it? Gauge it first. Take a look. Even in that heated moment, mm-hmm. and that could be like road rage or anything. Like gauge it first. Or taking a chance in life. Anything. Yeah, a anything. job, a conversation, or whatever. Yeah. If you can take that breath and gauge it first. Okay, I'm going to do this. And then you're, you know, don't be the guy backing down off the PA stack. <laughs> you know, with the crowd watching. And 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 the column was kind of like life lessons and and and. Kind of, uh, I think there was ten points in it, like yeah, point one, point two. Yeah, points. like uh, do this, don't do this. Uh, you know, do, uh, guys, don't you know? Tell you, tell you, 
your woman, you love her in public. You know, mm-hmm. uh, don't be afraid. You know, uh, um, you know, if, you, if you're a parent, you know, if you got girls, like it's an honor to be a dad of girls, and this is why. And um, so I kind of got, I basically got a book deal off of that column. So how do I put all of those things in a story? So the, the interesting thing was to kind of put all of those things in a six-month um, span of your life. Right. Yeah. Uh, instead of just writing this kind of instructional book of things. Yeah, well, but that's what I liked about it was it's a, it's a patchwork of cool anecdotes and stories, but there's also uh, a narrative. Yeah. You go back to this happened, this happened, this happened. And what I was going to say was you right. go from the four-star hotels of Kings of Chaos, fly straight to, to Europe and get in a van with walking papers yeah. and you know staying in crappy hotels if you even get one. If we sh- get one. Showering at the venue where there's the hair in the drain. and yeah. That to me is very cool. Once again, it, it, it's a parallel to what I go through with Fozzie sometimes. You know, I could just stay in the WWE and work arenas right. or right. I go do the other side of the coin. Exactly which is, the same. I don't mind getting in a van. We're, we're touring with Slash in May and it's one of those weird tours where he's got festivals and we don't. we got to jump in a van and do it for the yeah. five shows. But it's worth it because it's playing with Slash. It's playing to great crowds and our band's going to kill it because we believe in the music and the band. That's it. Right. And that's what it is. So it's, um, it's, it's about that 45 minutes or sometimes two hours if you're headlining. It's about that you do all this travel, you do all this stuff, and, um, but it's about that, that time on stage and the thing right. that you're, you believe in. And so it did, didn't matter that I was just playing an arena in Mexico City and staying at the St. Regis Hotel <laughs> and could have afford, you know, like to bring my family down because the thing paid well. And that's really what it's about for me. Like, can mm-hmm. my family enjoy this with me? Great. Uh, can I pay for my kids' school this year because of this, these... Because of these five gigs. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. If I can do that, like King's Chaos pays for my kids' school. That's yeah, great. Yeah. I just, a a one-week tour pays that off for the rest of the year it can yeah it can um but then you get into the the van <laughs> and you're not making anything and actually you're going in the hole because man i gotta fly i, I want to fly my my wife out again mm-hmm. man. I, I can't go 12 days without seeing her you know right uh but it's really about the music and that's always what's drawn me you know it, from the time i was 14 13 years old i started playing punk rock bands there's been this this clash gig that I went to in '79 that really informed the rest of my life, and then I saw Iggy in 1980, and like that's it's just there's no partition between the musicians and the audience. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together, and um, and music could and should be so honest and an expression, and I'm really lucky that I'm able to do it. Whether it's in an arena, headlining, or playing with loaded or walking papers opening for motorhead mm-hmm. it's great it's still the same thing yeah same buzz and you had a great point too is that you're building a business you want yeah. to build the, i mean because that's what you know we talked earlier rock and roll band a band is a business and you want to build the business of walking papers yeah. so that means you got to do the legwork you got to create the foundation for that and sometimes it's not glamorous but like you said you didn't start out glamorous you, you do it because you love playing and that's i think that's the same way reason why i do it as well yeah, yeah, and it, but on that tour, I got I got pneumonia, which I'd never got in my yeah. life. I got so, and I didn't know I had pneumonia because we keep going, right? Uh-huh. You don't know anything else. You just keep going. Oh, I'm sick. I just caught a bug. Yeah, we catch bugs on the show. Road. Must go on. Yeah, show must go on. And I, I wasn't getting better, and I couldn't work out. So then my head, you know, like 
usually I can take some of my antibiotics or something. I got a stash of everything in my backpack just in case. Right. Nothing was working. And, um, yeah, I got back to, to uh, I got back home. And I was so sick. My wife saw me. She goes, we, you have to go to the doctor right now. As soon as you got off the plane. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I had, like, pneumonia for, he goes, I caught you in the ninth inning inning of this pneumonia it's not like we can do anything wow and it was all throughout my lungs and uh never been that sick and it it gave me time to think i was sick for nine weeks in bed nine weeks dude for you that must have drove you nuts so i had to go to a different place and i really learned from from that pneumonia and maybe sometimes i just think things happen to me for a reason Mm -hmm. And, and like i had my youngest daughter taking care of me for the first time <laughs> in my life I, i've always taken care of her um and i could see concern on their face i'm like okay i i have to i have to recalibrate how i i live because mm-hmm. i can't get a pneumonia again right i, I hear there's pneumonia shots you can get I, i've never heard this i've never had pneumonia thank god yeah Hopefully yeah I never do but I had you know. made it, it's a, and it was right when I was turning 50. So it, oh, it was all like, oh, man. Stupid 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another great point, too, and this is something that um, it's it's the cliched thing that people say to you, and you just mentioned your youngest daughter taking care of you, but, you know, your kids grow up so fast. And you have a great chapter about how your, your daughters are now young ladies. And, it, you know, I have three kids, and I can't believe how fast they're growing up. And it's like I'm, my son's 11 in seven years. He could be gone. And I just can't. It's hard to fathom that. That's one of the, the most difficult things in my life that I've had to deal with is watching your kids. Like when they're younger, it's like, I got to change diapers. And now it's like, I love those days of changing diapers. Absolutely. And at night. And yeah. I was just talking to my wife this morning. I'm like, hey, maybe we should adopt one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's like, you're on the road for three weeks. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I missed the little... I lo- Every age has been the greatest age. I, want, mm-hmm. I don't want to say anything. Uh, my my it's, my daughter, who's seventeen and a half, just got into college. <sighs> she was just three. I swear, <laughs> yeah. last week. Yeah, and and it really marks your like. <laughs> Hey, yeah. slow everything down. They want to grow up fast, and you want everything to <laughs> yeah. slow down. That's right. Um, yeah. So. I appreciate I, 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 you. You read the book in, in three hours, man. No, I, I'm good. I'm like when I get into, especially on a plane. You know, I was coming yeah. from. I think I can't remember where I was going. Maybe Tampa to Austin or something for a show that I had. And it's like you got three hours to kill. And I knew you're coming in. And like I said, I enjoy your writing. It went by so fast. It's such a great read. It's such an easy read. And there's so many great stories in there. The Axel story where you came and played with the Guns N' Roses again. That's yeah. that's an amazing story. Yeah, I. I um, Classic Rock at the time magazine wanted me to write the story when I was there, and I'm like, you guys, no, I, I, this is it's kind of heavy. This mm-hmm. this thing, I did, this is me time, and this is uh, um, I really realized it when I, w- I was in Australia actually mm-hmm. with you when um, that started to go down, and, and I, you know, I think my first reaction to that was like, mm, I can't do that. And then, then, uh, like the stuff I've worked on over the last twenty years, showed itself. Like this is a great opportunity to um, 
get your old pal back, you know? And, and, and that's, the, that's the basis of it. It yeah. wasn't just going to play these songs and play these shows. It was about kind of reconnecting with, with, with Axel, with your yeah. old friend. Yeah, and we'd been through so much together. And, and I, I st- <laughs> so I got the set list and I started listening to the songs and I, I, I literally forgot how good some of the songs <laughs> were. I just, Michelle, I hadn't listened to. I don't listen to, you know, we made the records. I've never, we played them for years, played those songs. Yeah. So I don't, Listen to my own records. Which is crazy. Those are the, that's the soundtrack to s- millions of people's lives, and it's funny. You're like, yeah, I didn't even remember how to play it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I did. I oh, actually, okay. I, I mean, it was all like it's in me. Like mm-hmm. those songs, mm-hmm. uh, they're they're in me. And but but listening back, and I wanted to make sure everything was cool. And what's the little connector part? And Michelle, yeah, oh, yeah there it is. <laughs> um, but estranged, and all these songs with these huge, massive. Was the set all your era guns, or was there some Chinese democracy? There stuff was, too? yeah, there, there was a couple of those songs, and there a couple. Really, uh, there was "Catch and Ride" was one of the songs that really caught me. It's like this is a really that must have been kind of interesting for you to learn Guns N' Roses songs that weren't actually yours. But like the bass parts were were Tommy, and he and I came up at the same time. Gotcha, same vibe too, kind of a punky type thing. And, and my old band, Ten Minute Warning, played with the, with the replacements, replacements on their yeah. first U.S. tour. You know, so we really came from exactly the same place. So the stuff he was playing, it was like, oh yeah, this is similar to what, what a, you might have played anyway. Right? Yeah. Um, but it was really, and, and Tommy was really cool about. Um, they were, they were. Everybody was really cool. It made that situation, me coming in and rehearsing with those guys, mm-hmm. very easy. Um, and the gigs were great, and playing with with, with Axel game was. Um, How was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I was trying to be. I wasn't trying to be. I just was. I was. I was very calm about the whole thing, and sure of myself, sure of my parts. Had ownership of you know most of the material stuff I played on, and the stuff you wrote. And I was going to go up and play with a guy that I, we went through, you know. The, yeah. the the gutter, you know, from the, from nothing to believing in our music right. goes back to that. We believed in ourselves. We played in front of three people, and then five the next gig. You know, man, <laughs> yeah, we, it's almost double tonight, dude, and, and then nine, you know, and, and uh, building up to that thing. So only the five guys who were really in that original thing know that experience we went through. You, you try to explain it. I could try to explain it to you, and you you would kind of get it. Yeah. But if you weren't there, I wasn't there? Yeah, right. <clears throat> there was no internet there. There was not then cell phones. Not even there's payphones yeah. and stolen credit card numbers for the payphone. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> to book your tour. Yeah, that's um, right. The, the young kids don't even know. There wasn't even fax machines then. You Nothing. Know? Um, Nothing. Um, so, uh, but yeah. So there was there was some really great moments on on stage and some of those gigs. And it was then uh, we played up in Bolivia. And I started because I climb mountains. I'm like, oh, that's we're landed at thirteen thousand feet. I wow. Have, I have. I know I have altitude issues. Uh huh. Um, so I took. A, I got Diamox, which is the altitude climbers take it. Yeah. So I got it before I went down. I saw Bolivia. I'm like, that's La Paz. It's not lower Bolivia. And um, yeah, we got up at an axle. I mean, that's how did he do? Like that's singing wise, ath- that's an athletic feat. The sure. eye, the the air is dry. That that altitude to be able to even breathe. You guys are playing three hour sets. Yeah, so we got there like a day and a half early, and we kind of went down to nine thousand, nine and a half thousand feet to this hotel, 
and I did. I worked out, and, and he went and worked out, and we, they had coca leaves and all that stuff, and they had oxygen in the rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, the coca leaves are supposed to help. What does that do? O- oxygen, uh, oxygen intake or whatever. Or? Something. I, I but I, coke and cocaine. You know, I was like, I can't really do that. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, uh, right. but he really like that gig, man. It was. Um, he he nailed it. He prepared he was like okay here we go no bands ever play up there um yeah i, I think i told him like two days before i said do you know that's that's at the altitude uh-huh he's like oh, it is <laughs> nobody <laughs> no one god him damn in. it yeah so uh <laughs> but uh man he that was I, I really saw a lot like he pulled a lot from deep down no no singer can sing up there Right, and, and he he did it, and we played long set. Did you forget uh, how good of a front man he is? No, I never forgot that. Yeah. You know, that guy is just, um, you know, he was like I came from a punk rock background down here. I joined that band, and that guy was more punk rock than hmm. anybody I'd seen because it was everything was is real. Mm-hmm. There's no put on; it's real, and um, and that's punk rock. It was honest and real, and uh, like the guy can't lie. He can't. Yeah. He, um, so I know that, like that, that bare honesty and truth from that guy is more punk rock than than mm-hmm. anything else. And when he's, you know, it's like he was born a front man. I don't know how you. It's natural. Yeah. It's natural. That X factor. That's not something you can go home and practice. It's yeah. just you got it or you yeah, don't. You have it right. And uh, so, you know, once you have it, you always have it. And, and we just had a good, I, really good time. We, we traveled together. I'm sure, on stage, off stage. You I kept him waiting in a, in a van <laughs> for a half hour at one of the, I didn't know. I, was, I thought we were supposed to meet in the lobby, and he, he was laughing when I got to the van. I finally got this text, and we're waiting for you, dude. You uh-huh. know? And I got, uh, yeah, yeah, hi. He goes, touche. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to make you wait. Man. I was in the lobby. But, uh, but you mentioned that both of you guys are uh, knock knock joke experts. He's good, man. He um, he's gets. Uh, I get a lot of jokes. You've been around me. Yeah. Like I don't know how I get the jokes, but people text them to me and, and right, right. Uh, or like I'm a, I'm just a savant for it. They just come to me, you know. Um, what, are he, of, what are some? What are some of your best ones? You know, I always forget. So uh, what's the newest knock knock one? Um, you know, everybody's listening. Put your, your, your left index finger in the air. Okay. okay. Now raise it above your head. All right. Okay. Now, now twirl it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to talk to you. Keep twirling it. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Yeah. Yeah, who? There you go. <laughs> or, you know, knock, knock. Who's there? Two. To who? It's actually to whom. Yeah. <laughs> knock, knock. What? Uh, who's there? Dwayne. Dwayne who? Dwayne the bathtub. I'm drowning. <laughs> So stupid, it's terrible, but right? they're great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, so you and I go back and forth with these. Are you and Axel go back and forth with these? Yeah. And do you hear about the the old man? He was like eighty nine. He goes into the sperm bank, right? Yeah. And uh, they're like, and he goes, I want to donate. No, <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, uh, they give him the jar and they point back to the room and, and you go back there and jar. And uh, but he's, and they notice, you know, he's been in there for forty minutes. Like, should we go check on him? You know, and people aren't aren't in there for forty minutes. Hour goes by, hour and a half. Should we call nine one one? What? Two hours later, he finally comes out. He's sweating and he's huffing and puffing. He goes, "I've been jerking, I've been pulling, I've been stroking, and I've been twisting, and I just can't get the uh, the lid off this jar." <laughs> 
<laughs> There's the duff hands in the air. Hey, hey there you go. There it is. <laughs> when yeah. you got this, um, you know, this 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 call to, to do the Guns N' Roses thing, and you mentioned you do Kings of Chaos with Slash, and you guys have toured, and you did Velvet Revolver. Do you call him and say, "Listen, dude, I'm going to do this"? Do you fill him in on so he knows, or is it just like? I mean, he's super chill anyways, it seems. Did he even care? Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, there was, yeah, I think I did. I, I wrote about that in the book. I, I just, I kind of, um, yeah, I let everybody know this is what I'm going to do. This mm-hmm. is, um, ultimately it's my decision. Sure it is. And, and I think we all understand that in that group. Um, I think. Slash or uh, Gilby or Izzy or whoever trusts. I I hope mm-hmm. trusts my um, your reasons for doing it. Yeah, yeah. At this point in our lives, because it's it's almost like you know if you're going Spinal Tap terms that you're like you know fire and ice and you're the lukewarm water in between those guys. Like you you play with both, have good relations with both. You're kind of like that middle man in in the in the lineage of the band. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't know where. I, you know, I'm. I, I I will say this to you. I I I used to be, mm-hmm. and I I've, sometimes you believe stuff about yourself. You know, <laughs> like yeah, I'm Duff from Guns and Roses. Well, that's who, then you start thinking that's all you are is Duff from. And you've done everything to to not be that, right? And because I, I for a long time, like especially my twenty, yeah, I'm Duff from Guns N' Roses. Because people say hey, it's Duff from Guns N' Roses, so I started to like, okay, that's that's who I am. Mm-hmm. But that's not who you are. You know, you're you're Chris Jericho. You have a lot of other things going. Right. On. You're a dad. You're the, all this other stuff. When you come out, sometimes you're Chris Jericho, the wrestler, mm-hmm. or Chris Jericho from Fozzy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not. Certainly not all who you are. You yes. have private thoughts. Most of your thoughts are probably private, mm-hmm. even though you got a podcast and you and you you speak out. That's the show business side of things. Yeah, yeah. I write, but I don't. I don't tell people everything by any means. Even in my first book, that was not. That was an arc of a sure. story. Yeah, this is what you want people to hear. That was the, the story I chose to tell. Yes. Yeah. And didn't throw anybody else under the bus. And and so that goes to you're the guy uh, um, who is in the men, middle. you know, men fans. And, and I, no, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm me. And I have, uh, I, I can tell you honestly, I, I, both those guys are my, you know, Colleagues and my and my bros mm-hmm. forever. Right, that's the way it's going to no be, what. whether they want it or not. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's the way it is. Yeah, um, with me, and I'm I'm there for them for anything. You know, I asked I asked Slash this when he was on the show, and you know it's it's the beaten down question, and and so sick of hearing the question, the question, the question about reunions and blah blah blah. D- does it ever like just as a musician? And we talked about this earlier about the Stones, you know playing like a stadium or whatever be and then there's a handful of bands in this day and age that can play stadiums rock bands u2 stones springsteen maybe acdc acdc which is a huge stadium tour thank god for that but does it ever in the back of your mind just as a musician it's like you could do a stadium tour if this if this came about I would be lying to you dude if I said no it never enters you know what I mean like you know you have that Rare 
point zero 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 one percent of bands yeah. that have ever existed yeah. that could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, after playing with 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 Axel last spring and 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 those guys, and uh, you know, it's like I just I just missed playing with him. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest, and, and uh, I did. I was like, oh. Dude, we should have been doing this for the, you know. But so much time has passed, of course. And we, we talked about some things. Like we did, we fell into every. We thought we were just this gang. We weren't going to fall into any of the typical rock crap. No, man, we're. It's the most cliched ever, right? We fell into every one of them, man. <laughs> and uh, and we were laughing about that. And, and um, so yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said no. I never think about it. But it, you can't let it control your life you know it's not something i moved on like sure of course at the time i was 30 you know like that i my life was kind of a weird thing because i was going one direction down you know (laughs) into the darkness really and i i came out and uh and it changed a lot of things and and one of the things is i never wait around for anything sometimes i'm I should be more patient. Yeah, but I'm um, I'm always going. And but after playing with him last spring, it was look who's over here. Who is it? D. Snyder. D. Snyder. He's a nice gentleman. That guy. I know he's great. He's a smart guy too. What the hell? <laughs> and and a fit. Look, look at the shirt too. The, the, the skulls with the it's red. It's the red. <laughs> and a fit gentleman. I asked him. Uh, yes, we're talking about day. working out in rock and roll. Oh, how yeah, keep, yeah, how yeah. keeps you young? So grab grab a microphone, man. Yeah, but you're vascular. Yeah, but you're sixty, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm sixty. Yeah, he just. Yeah, Look at the guy. What's up? Yeah, doing all right. Yeah. It's a microphone. Gotta, you know how to work. Got to keep up with you guys. Where's my roadie? D, you're you're here uh, having some meetings and stuff, and you just announced the the, the 40th anniversary yeah. sister tour. Yeah, 40. AJ's we'll have the curse on the podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, you're 40. And, do what you want. 40 and fuck it. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Tour. It's not even a tour. <laughs> somebody said we said shows, and they also speak of a tour. We don't tour. We just play. But it's just we just don't want to be there. We don't want to be a fart in a paper bag, like some of these bands. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's yeah. like they announced the farewell tour and and they never go away. Right. You know, that's the fart in the paper bag concept, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and we just uh, you know. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm that guy, yeah. But anyway, so we just and, – and actually we had decided this before AJ passed away. But when mm-hmm. AJ died, it was just kind of – all right. Is it going to be kind of a, a, a tribute to him as well? Kind of. Like- yeah, in a lot of ways, you know. I mean, I've been ra- I've been kind of railing about AJ the past recently, uh, the past few days, because I'm really pissed. Mm. AJ, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, JJ French said the nice one died, and that's the truth. <laughs> he was the nice one. So now he's left with those four scumbags are left, <laughs> and uh, and you know, he's a great guy, but. At the level of irresponsibility on his part as a person, mm-hmm. uh, he had a history of heart disease in his family. Father died at 64 of a heart failure. He never got checked out. When they autopsied him, he had 95% blockage in all of his arteries, all of his aortas, advanced heart disease. He didn't have to die. Um, and he left behind two ex-wives, a girlfriend of 18 years, four kids, no will, no anything. And it's like pandemonium. And, and it's just kind of like the mess that people are cleaning up. And, you know, you got kind of once you once you, you know, pull that trigger, so to speak, and have those kids, whatever, you got a responsibility to do the right thing. And he was a great dad on that level. But 
But now you got to take care of things, and he should have taken care of himself. You know, fifty-five years old. Yeah, to, to young kids, that sounds old. To older guys, that doesn't sound too old. You know, he didn't have to die. Not in this day and age. He, he was fifty-five. Fifty-five. That's yeah. yeah I mean, ha- just talking about hey, that's not old. Yeah, yeah massive not- stroke, and then uh, and then a, a massive heart attack out on the road with adrenaline mob and, and uh, you know and, and it just they said they couldn't if they had gotten to the hospital in time he was so far gone it was so advanced the heart disease they, don't, they couldn't have saved him there must have been some signs that, that, that he knew and that's so important to, to react to that I mean he must have known there was something going on with him with that much blood I'm looking at him you know and, and he's, he's, he's as big, big as guy. a house yeah. I mean he was a helmet and a battle axe short of being Ghibli the dwarf from the Hobbit <laughs> I mean he was, he was huge right. and he's smoking cigarettes and I'm sorry I have no no governor no filter, no filter. you never have <laughs> and, uh, and you know and he's, and he's having trouble breathing he's playing like an animal every night but I'd be up there and say as you said, I'm in shape, and, and I'm just like pushing, pushing, pushing. But I swear to God, I'd look back every night and go, am I killing my guys? You know, I mean, am I, cause, and, and he's sweating and keeping up and smiling ear to ear because he's doing what he loved. But ultimately, he was in bad shape, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he didn't, you know. So it, it's just it's a shame. Like I said, it did not have to happen. And, 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 and one of the reasons why we're finishing up these dates and doing some more dates is to help provide for his family and, you know, and, and he'll, he'll help. He'll still get 20% of the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we we will you know we've got uh you know we have Mike Portnoy is That's is filling cool. in That's for amazing oh, yeah. yeah so he's coming in we got a show in Vegas at the Hard Rock coming up that we're doing a DVD mm-hmm. as a tribute to AJ so it's an opportunity you know to funnel some money and stuff towards his family but at the same time we were planning on you know stopping it. it we were talking earlier and it's it's actually hilarious that you came in because we were talking Duff just wrote a book. Uh, called How to Be a Man and Other Illusions. And one of the things he writes about is how he, he turned 50. But 50 is the new 30, especially when you're in a rock band because rock and roll keeps you young, especially if you try. You're a perfect example. You just turned 60. You're in great shape. And we talked about how important it is to keep you got your hair, which you got to yeah, have Well, hair. That's, a, that's a gift. Yeah, Duff's got his hair. When the hair stays on the head, that's, too, that's that, you know, yeah. I mean, it really does keep but you like young. Brian, but Brian Johnson doesn't have, have He's got time. a hat, though. And Angus doesn't have it either yeah but i guess i don't know i guess maybe because they're acds they can do anything that they want so it's not yeah. about the hair it's about the heart, Both the heart. It's, it's about okay. it's about the rock but it's also about about you know uh wanting to do it trying yeah and caring about it and i see some bands up there and i go why are they bothering mm-hmm. they're going through the motions they're not giving the people what they expect and and, and they're not you know and they're not living up to their legacy so if you're going to do it do it right and so for me to perform at the level i like to perform at which is a very intense level requires a real effort on my part and i'm and i you know, eventually gravity will win. It's just mm-hmm. the law of the land. We will all be sucked down into the dirt <laughs> one way or the other. And, you know, and I don't want to be on stage when gravity takes me out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to see, ever see a sad face in the audience you know, where people are, are, are like, wow. I remember when he was great. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to leave him with that, leave him with that smile on their face. I, I, somebody wrote, a, wrote a, a thing about re- reunions, and they said, when a reunion a tour, a reunion show is good, it makes you feel young again. When it's bad, it makes you realize how old you are. Wow. Right. 
Okay. All right. I, I, got, I, got, I need a show. <laughs> yeah. I know. Don't just just take over my talk is Jericho starring D. Snyder. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. We'll just transfer. Yeah, good seeing you too, man. Yeah. Don't say so short. It's awesome. Good seeing you, D. See you, brother. Thanks, man. All right, man. To feel like we're like in the afternoon mashup, you know? Everybody's been in today. So there you go. A perfect example. And what kismet. Well, I walked up to him. I walked up at the Golden God. Awards. He was doing like the whatever red carpet emceeing. That's right. Yeah. For VH1. Right. Right. And he had like that. He had a short sleeve shirt on. It's tight. Yeah. It and looks... he's sixty. Yeah. And I work out every day. I kick. I do everything. You know. And I, here's me going up to him like, dude, what do you do to work out? <laughs> yeah. What's your secret? And he's ten years older than me. I mean, right. You know, uh, yeah, he's that guy's. And that's a per- perfect example of what we were talking about, you know. And, and then also, too, it's almost like that was staged because he also said, you know, talking about the reunion tour and all stuff. And that's kind of what we were talking yeah. about before everyone came in, you know, and we're talking about the lukewarm water and, and, and how, it, how, how you have this stadium in the back pocket. Is it something that you think would ever happen? I mean, it's probably not really up to you at this point. I mean, the, that's the, right. The police did it. And Stuart yeah. and Sting hated each other for yeah. years. And I always use that as the watermark. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did it. I, I didn't go see that tour. I, I, uh, it was great. It was great. It was great. I man. heard it was great. Yeah, it was great. It really, um, really was. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always there. It's always, like, it, it's when I think about it, I think, I don't think about it as a drag, mm-hmm. which is good. Maybe 10 years ago, I, I would have thought about it. Like, oh. um, <laughs> I hope they don't call. Right, you yeah. know, um, but it's, um, I think about it, like, fondly. I just uh, don't, I don't want to say what it is I did, but uh, just, I recorded a couple songs with Izzy for the last couple of days. Wow. And it's just great, you know, I've, I've always kind of hung with him, and he and I, he just loves writing songs, and he, the guy's so... Um, because he's the real wild card. No one really ever sees much of him ever. And I won't in the public really eye. say much about him because yeah. he, he'd prefer me not. He would to. like to have it. Yeah. Keep say that way. But just I'm just, as, as a songwriter and a and a player mm-hmm. and just a guy. Um, again, he's one of those the, the the five guys, and so we don't have to have a whole extra conversation about where we're at right now. Right. It just starts now. to show up and hang out. Yeah. And. Um, and it's really great, you know, like just that hanging with him. Like we don't have to talk. When he says, "I have a bridge," I don't have to, you know. Somebody else, I'm like, oh, let me hear it. <laughs> when he says, "I have a bridge," you know, I've sent him like a, a verse and a chorus. Okay, great. So we'll, we'll put that in. <laughs> Whatever it is, like, <laughs> yeah. you trust, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. it's gonna be the right bridge. Um. So I, I think I just think fondly of of. That, As you that should. guy too. And yeah, he's been a real good constant. You know what? Uh, he he really like. I looked up to him, especially those two years after I'd gotten sober, because he had gotten clean before I did. And he was the guy, man. Like no way, hmm. he's gonna go. Wow. So he was the worst out of all you guys. Yeah. Because Axel was never never into it, right? He just no. He yeah. He had the ability to like kind of dabble. And yeah. not like the rest of it. But the other four cats, you guys were just out in space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of us could hold, you know, there, there were certain lines you didn't cross, and mm-hmm. that was kind of the secret. Um, uh, but Izzy really, he, he, um, 
he he helped me out a bunch. You know, those first couple of years, just kind of making sure, like, and calling me at the always the right time. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, he had yeah. the ability to just show up or say, "Hey, let's go uh, record something." Always at the right time when I was just teetering on something. You know. Um, you uh, actually, I, you got to tell the story, and I don't remember exactly how it goes. You told me that you, when you were in Australia, um, we were there, that when you were on the Use Your Illusion tour and you were trying to get sober, you needed something to keep you away from, from, from drinking, so you bought like a kneeboard or like a, like a, wave, a wakeboard. Oh, no, no. I, I, I brought my water ski out on the road because I grew up water skiing. Right. You're talking so you about the water, to, to do something other than, than drink all the time. So, so I'm trying anything, right? So I bring a water ski and a rope and a vest and gloves. <laughs> I'll have that. I can find a boat. And I, I skied in some cool places. Yeah. Um, so one of them was I met a guy at a, at a bar in Sydney one night. Uh, and he's like, oh, I got a boat, mate. All right, and a friend with a boat. So we stayed up all night. I mean, it was already probably four in the morning, well, which is two hours till sunlight. Yeah. And we went down to Sydney Harbor, and there was a boat. And I had went. So I got called. Somebody, hey, can you bring my ski and my rope? Uh, so there it was, and and I got in and uh, I, I skied Sydney Harbor, and and there was no boats out. I'm like, what? There's nobody skiing. It was glassy. There was nobody out. This is great. I mean, the Opera House, there's pictures. It's beautiful. Our yeah. photographer, Robert John, came with us. He's, he stayed up all night, too. And <laughs> I took pictures. I'm in the water, like, flailing around. And then uh, we came back in on the boat to the dock. And they, some guy saw me getting the ski out and stuff. I was bringing it out. He goes, you weren't – what were you doing? I was just skiing in Sydney Harbor. And he goes, man, yesterday somebody was playing fetch with their lab, like throwing a stick in the – and a shark came and got the, the <laughs> his black lab. It's one of the biggest like shark infested areas, breeding ground. Yeah, where they're kind of like. <laughs> so yeah, that was like the the drunken luck right there. You're right, 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 right. Yeah. Maybe the sharks uh, smelt the alcohol coming off. You'd say, yeah. leave that guy alone. It's it's alcohol it's no poisoning. Good. Yeah, happen. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to wrap up. But another thing I loved about about your book is the top 100 albums that you, you know, music or whatever it was, music that you must listen to. Uh, and that was the, to you. Yeah. So that wasn't even a list. Like I, I it's like, and, and of course it's 114. I oh. just kept going. Like uh, it was not. Um, I left out. Like it should. It's be, hard to do that. It's got to be like. 500, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't even include like the new Death Cab record, which is great. And the new, I like, there's so many new things coming out. Like, okay, what else? And I probably, you know, you can't put in every ZZ Top record. Yeah. Um, but you should. <laughs> yeah. Um, They're every, worthy of it. Yeah. Every ACDC record, you know, what do you put in? So I just made this list of like just fun records and some, even ABBA, and which is a beautiful. We covered SOS on our new record. Did you? And it turned out great. Great song. Yeah, but it, it, it lends itself to um, heavier arrangement because it's a very dark song. It's a very depressing type of a song, and it's got that killer riff right before the chorus. Right. So, you know, put that with bass and guitar and then the keyboard in the back. It sounds, it's like a, like a Malmsteen riff or something. It's really cool. Yeah, if, like even like metal people right now are listening and they haven't, you haven't listened to ABBA? Yeah. Or like 
Burt Bacharach or all these great, great songwriters. Composer, right, great melodies. <laughs> great melodies. Yeah. And Abba, yeah. It's just I like, loved uh, the inclusion of Mother Love Bone. That's one of yeah. my favorite bands. Rouse, too. Rouse and I talk about Mother Love Bone all the time. Yeah. And how great that band was. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. A guy called Andrew Wood who passed away before the record even came out. That's right. And it was the basically uh, Stone and Jeff from Pearl Jam's first band. And Andy, again, he wasn't one of those guys you pegged as he was never going to do. I, I knew him. I'm sure pretty well. Seattle, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, like the always. He was like David Lee Roth. You yeah, know? the guy was just up and uh, like that was the last thing you would think he would pass from. Yeah, you know? he uh, fell into the trap. He did. He talked yeah. about the other one, which if I had to name my favorite album of all time, it would probably be Kiss Alive. You've listed that, and you also mentioned that Gene Simmons has a uh, a secret secret skill. That he most is. A, don't know. That, well, so he went on one of those Kings of Chaos things, and um, somebody was playing like. Earth, Wind, and Fire backstage, or something. Like, I mean, maybe ABBA and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, ELO and 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 Gene Simmons started dancing, but they were like real OG '60s dances, <laughs> the mashed potato and all this stuff. Yeah, and he's really good. I mean, he's a tall, he's yeah. a tall, big guy, and he, yeah. that guy moves. The God of Thunder can do the twist, smooth. Like <laughs> yeah, really smooth. And he and he said, of course, it has to do with chicks. You know, yeah. well, he goes, you know, the, all the black chicks were the hot, hot chicks in in middle school. And if you didn't learn how to dance, you weren't going to get with them. Well, so I learned how to dance. Of course, that's Always why you're motivated yeah. by, by the girls, right? Yeah. The book is called "How to Be a Man and Other Illusions." Uh, what's your favorite? Uh, is there a favorite story in it? Favorite chapter, or just the whole thing you dig? It's. Uh, I don't know if there's a favorite chapter. It's just. Um, I hope you know. I read it like a hundred and three times because I wrote it. Yes, I read different portions of the book. We we edited that book and put it together. Uh, after I wrote it, and then I had a copy, edit it, yes. and all this stuff. Legal and then, edit, legal, yeah. Le- yeah. Oh man, the yeah, legal thing is great too. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I read it like a hundred and three times. It, you know, I don't even know if the stuff that's supposed to be funny is funny anymore. That's right. Yeah. It's, like, it's like recording an album. It's like by the time you're done, it's like, I don't know if this sucks. I don't. I used to think it was good, but I've heard it so many times, I don't even care anymore. That's right. You know, I, I, I've written three books, and I remember at at some point I'm sitting there. Should it be the or and, the or and? Thirty minutes, forty minutes. It's like what difference does it make? But that's how micromanaged you get when you're doing something like that. I was just going to tell you a quick story, and then we'll end. So I I'm flying back from Buenos Aires. My plane's delayed three hours, so I, I'm in the lounge at. Airport. I'm a, I read a ton. Mm-hmm. In the lounge, I'm also a polar exploration nerd. Like, I know everything. <laughs> Shackleton, I have a tattoo of, of this polar explorer. A- anyhow. Right. So these people are wearing these red Shackleton jackets. They're coming from Antarctica. They're in Buenos Aires. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what are you guys doing? We just did the Shackleton 100-year National Geographic cruise. Jared Diamond was the speaker. Jared Diamond read wrote Guns, Germs, and Steel, The Collapse, The History of the World Until Yesterday. Little subjects. Right. He's like the, the, the smartest guy on the planet. He's the head of the school of geography at UCLA. Mm-hmm. and He's 70-something, and but he's one of my favorite authors. And I, right as the, the person said Jared Diamond, I looked over and there he was. Oh, cool. And I was like a fanboy. It's like my, my Michael Jordan. And uh, I, I got up the gumption. I drank a cup of coffee. I'm like, I'm going to do it. 
Mr. Diamond, uh, I'm a big fan of your work. I just want to say thank you for. And he started talking. He and his wife started talking to me. And what are you doing here? I, I play rock music. I played last night. And no, no big deal. Let's get back to your books. <laughs> yeah. But we started talking, and we had three hours, and then we flew all the way back. We flew to Miami, and we had a couple hours there. We talked. He invited me to dinner at his house. Would you like to come see my library? Wow. So I, my wife and I went a couple nights ago. And he's the real Indiana Jones. Like he is, he's gone and done field work and, you know, 28 times in New Guinea and, and traveled the world and done all this stuff. And he knows how everything works, societies and land masses. And, right. You know, he used to be the head of school of, uh, in medicine there, of yeah. physiology, and he changed to geography. That's how smart the guy is. And it was the, I saw this guy, he writes... If anybody's read any of these books, you know they're, they're huge pieces of work. He writes with a mechanical pencil. Which is? A, he just writes with a pen. With a pencil. With a pen, he writes yeah. longhand. Wow. And he dictates into a dictaphone. Now that's old school. And sends it to his secretary, and she types it out. Really? And he has these piles of, of his new book. I saw his new book being written, like the piles of chapters, with the books that he read to research that chapter. And then the and then he had this other cart over in this other part of his library. I mean, what's that cart, Jared? And he goes, oh, that was all my research for guns, germs, and steel. I won a Pulitzer Prize. I'm like, that's guns, germs, <laughs> yeah. and steel right there. For me, again, it's like Michael Jordan going and playing well, half It's like recording on three-quarter-inch tape or something. You know, it's old-school style. Yeah, and I got to go to Michael Jordan's, you know, basically his half-court basketball court in his house. Yeah. That, that, it was... Um, Equal to that for me. Yeah. Uh, but seeing how the guy, he showed me, took me up, and this is where I write. Oh, my God. You know, I write on a Word document. <laughs> no computer up there. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. The old school, man. Great. And that's just one of the cool experiences that you have. How to be a man and other illusions. Duff, man, it's always good to see you. Yeah. I'm glad you came down. Thanks for having me. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? Don't Lie. cry. It's not so bad. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Yeah, don't cry. That's not bad. All right. Thanks to Duff McKagan. You got to check out his new book, How to Be a Man and Other Illusions. I got it and read it in three hours on a plane. That is a true story. I could not put it down. Amazing stories about his days with Guns N' Roses, his days with Velvet Revolver and working with Scott Weiland. He's got a great list of the top 100 albums he thinks everyone should own, why he feels that way. So many cool stories. Uh, One of my favorites is uh, he, he wonders if it's possible to see a million faces and to rock them all. That should sell it to you right there. It's a great read, and you could pick it up on Amazon. You know what you're going to do if you want to pick it up on Amazon. I want you to use the Talk is Jericho link. You support Duff, and you support this show with one easy click. You go to podcastone.com, click on the Support Our Show Sponsors banner, top of the page, you wagey. Then you hit the Talk is Jericho button. i got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada A. If you're in any of those countries and you're going shopping, please go to my Amazon link, because when you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cashola to this show, so we keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. There's no extra fees or hidden challenges. You're just getting your shopping done. You help me out in the process. Go to podcastone.com. Click on the Support Our Show Sponsors banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. 
Everybody wins. Everybody's happy. Everybody rocks. And speaking of rocking, come see Fozzie. We got a handful of shows lined up with Slash next week. May 18th at the Concord Music Hall in Chicago, Illinois. May 21st at Stubbs at Austin, Texas. Then we're going all the way over to Beaumont, Texas. And we'll be playing the Jefferson Theater there. That's on our own. Then we're heading back out with Slash. May 23rd, House of Blues, Houston. May 24th, Southside Ballroom in Dallas. That's amazing, getting a chance to go out with Slash. He's a rock and roll hero right there for sure. It's going to be a great bill. We've also got some other dates. June 25th at the Valair Ballroom in Des Moines, Iowa. June 26th at, uh, at the Hard Rock Hotel in Sioux City, Iowa. July 24th at the Square in Kitchener, Ontario. August 9th, Heavy Montreal in Montreal. Uh, huge, huge festival, of course, October 30th. We're rocking the Kiss Cruise, sailing from Miami to Jamaica with Paul and Gene and the guys. Uh, so much stuff coming up. Super, super busy. I'm actually going to be heading to uh, Boston, outside of Boston, to film a pilot for the History Channel. That's going to be, uh, I'll give you more information about that as it goes, but it's very creepy. It's very uh, paranormal stuff. If you haven't heard the paranormal episode with Dean Ambrose, go check it out. Go check out Billy Corgan talking about TNA. We'll follow up with him and find out how his first weekend was on the job as one of the head writers Seamus has been on there uh, Larry King Sean King just go back and listen to any episodes you haven't heard and don't forget this summer is the summer of Y2J starting June 23rd I'm hosting Tough Enough on the USA Network and then the Y2J WWE Summer Tour doing live events only Springfield, Illinois Terre Haute, Indiana Las Vegas Boston, Reading Pennsylvania Singapore, Tokyo Tokyo, Philly Pittsburgh San Diego Ontario, California Fresno Detroit, Michigan East Lansing, Michigan Bridgeport, Connecticut White Plains, New York San Juan, Puerto Rico Tallahassee, Florida Go to WWE.com to buy tickets for that. Go to FozzyRock.com to check out the Fozzy gigs. All right, that's enough shameless pandering, shameless plugging. So stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. And on Friday, this Friday, Quiet Riot. Frankie Benali, the current drummer, and Rudy Sarzo, the classic bass player from the Metal Health lineup, are going to be in studio with me to talk about the new Quiet Riot documentary. Well, now you're here. There's no way back. It premiered on Showtime a few months ago. It's getting ready to come out on DVD and on iTunes. It is an amazing story about the rise and very quick fall of Kevin Dubrow and Quiet Riot. If you heard the William Regal uh, interview that we did a couple weeks ago, he talked about how he uh, tried to rip off... uh, (laughs) Kevin Dubrow's wig Uh, it's it's a crazy crazy story about Quiet Riot and Frankie and Rudy are in the studio together such a cool pair of guys it's a great show if you like rock and roll Uh, and if you don't you're going to want to check it out anyways you know why because I'm on anytime I'm on you know it's a whole lot of fun baby oh yeah and yeah boy we'll see you on uh, we'll see you on Friday you can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com that's podcastone.com 